Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Well, it's good to have everyone here that was able to be here during this week. Uh, through all of the, all of the uh, problems with travel and and uh, even travel permits in some places, and uh, but we're glad that those of you that are here were able to come and be with us. We're glad for our brother Arliss and and his wife Betty. Brother Arliss has been involved in this fellowship for years. <laughs> a lot of years. I first met Brother Arliss in West Virginia. West Virginia. And uh, we've been in strong fellowship actually ever since that time. Brother Arliss has spent several years with us here in this place. And uh, so, but so we're glad to have both of them here. And uh, they were recently, well, not really recently, three years, did you tell me, Betty? Three years. Three? Yes. That's what I thought you said, three years. And we're glad to have both of them here, as, and, and uh, as, as well of all of you that are uh, able to be here. And... Uh, uh, And, and like I say, those that are not able, I look up and I just, you know, I miss so many people because there's a lot of people that are not here. And it'll be the first time that we've ever had a Bible conference anywhere that they haven't been there. And uh, one of those couples actually live here, but they're in South Carolina right now. And this will be the first time that they've ever missed a, a Bible conference anywhere in the United States that I know of that we've, that we've had one. And, uh, but we get into areas where, you know, things happen and we've got, and it becomes necessary or that we can't be in a certain place at a certain time. And so we regret that. But we are glad that we are on internet and, and a lot of you that are not able to be here who normally would have been here. Uh, and we continue to pray for Michael and Maria. They were just ready to come and all of that uh, and even put off one doctor's appointment that was due to be due to come in, in this coming Friday and put that up. Uh, but still, even and because of a knee operation, and uh, uh, Maria just was not able to, not able to, to travel, in the, in the way that they have to do to come up here and to be here. So they're not here, and and they're they're reg they're here regularly. Uh, in fact, I was in Corpus Christi. Uh, in I don't know October or November last year, and we had the meetings there in their in their house, and we had a good time of sharing in the Lord. Uh, we we really did, and some folks came to that meeting that I had never talked with or never met before, and uh, one of them was a uh, Methodist pastor. In fact, uh, but we had a good meeting down there in Corpus Christi, so. Uh, let's continue then in this session tonight. Now, I've been talking about the reality of being in Christ. And I want to continue to do that and bring into that reality whatever the Lord will permit during this, this time. Now, I didn't write it on, on, the, on the board back here, but if I had of, I would have just put some words up there that might catch your attention. But now in Christ. But now in Christ. And what I'm going to do, uh, let me see. 
is just read that to you in Ephesians. Let me see. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, before I'm going here. Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, with regard to the reality of our being in Christ. And I emphasize, and I guess I am going to mark it on this board for you that are here. You don't really have to change the camera around or anything. But we need to understand the significance of this word right here, now. That's not pointing to a time to come. It's not pointing to something that is past. It is pointing to a, to a reality that actually, if you can hear this, and I know you can, that actually is not about past or future. It is a reality that is eternity. It is eternal. Eternal. The reality of our being in Christ. Now folks, this is something to think about because it's something that you and I only come to understand in spirit, in spirit and in truth by the appearing of the one who is our life in our very hearts by seeing Him. Colossians, the third chapter. You're very familiar with that, I'm sure. Verses 1 through 4. Since then ye are risen with Christ. Colossians 3. Now, I know I said Ephesians. I'll be there in a minute. Colossians 3. Verse 1 through 4. Since then. Now, I'm reading it the way it actually is. If then ye be in Christ is actually since then ye are in Christ. Raised up together, seated in heavenly places together. He's talking about the same thing that I'm about to read here in Ephesians. Since ye be in Christ, there's, since you are in Him, since you have been raised up together in Christ, that's the situation. That's the fact. That's the reality. And because that is so, since that is a reality, that's what Paul is saying, since then you be in Christ, raised up, seated in Him. Therefore, since that is so, then set your affections where you are. Not where you're not. Not where that you hope one day maybe you will be. Set your affection on things above. Now it doesn't mean you standing on earth and looking up at the stars. It means where you are in Christ. Set your affection. Now that's in the scripture that is far beyond your uh, emotions because our emotions come and they go. You know that as well as I do and there's nothing wrong with that except that's what happens. But the affection of our heart, the gaze in another place, to those that look for Him shall He appear. And the word appear here is always with regard to the one who is in you. And it has to do with the Greek words that mean something that is uncovered. It is there, covered. It is there, veiled. It is there, but not known. And all of a sudden, it is seen to be. And it not only is seen to be, but it is seen to be in its true nature and character. What's it talking about? Those Greek words, the phenero and, 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 uh, and the apocalypsis. It's, it's talking about the revealing of Christ in you. 
And that's what it's talking about. Not, not something added to our salvation for God. No, no. But the Father opening the eyes of our understanding, giving to us, giving to us the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Christ, opening our eyes that we may behold the salvation of the Lord. Now, uh, 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 Daniel used that term this morning. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it put me to thinking because I had been looking at behold the salvation of the Lord. And you know when that was said, uh, it was said just as they were going to cross the Red Sea. Or they were all gathered up there at the Red Sea. And, and, and Moses was instructed to tell them to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which is actually in the Hebrew, stand still. The word see there is the same word in the Hebrew that talks about something being revealed. It was that way with Abraham when he was lifted up his eyes. It was the same word, something that, oh, oh and, and, and when he went from his own country to the country that I will show you, it's the same Hebrew word. It means revealed of God revealed of God. So that's what we're talking about, something that is revealed of God. And only, only God can actually show you His salvation. Well, what happens when He does, He shows you the person of it. He shows you the spirit of it. He shows you not just the experience of it, because we do experience that, but He shows you the sum total of it. He shows you the, 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 the person of our salvation. And that's what he meant there. And I knew I'd written it down somewhere, so I found it today, and I just wrote down, or to, just a note to myself, and I wrote down there, uh, man, <laughs> what a seeing that is. Because what they were told to do and what God was actually doing, the whole thing included the door that they had put blood on and they had spent a night there and then in the morning after that night they came out typically on the ground of resurrection. And so here they are see the salvation of the Lord goes all of the way to Solomon setting upon what is called there the throne of the Lord, the Lord's throne. It was Solomon sitting there as a type, tremendous type of Christ, but Christ involved with his with his body, Solomon involved with the temple. And all of that is there, but that whole thing, and I, and I, I remember when I thought about that, and I never said anything about it or went through it, because, but it's like, it's like a tremendous picture, painted as it were on a canvas. The whole picture, the whole story of salvation from that time. It starts with the Lamb of God. And we know in the reality of that, it's the same way. Bring that over into the reality of Christ. Starts with the Lamb of God. And then in Revelation, all of this big scene in Christ, all of these who are in Christ in heavenly places, all of Ezekiel's types and shadows are there. The living ones, the living ones that is actually called the living one, the four square one, that Ezekiel saw. It's Christ, honey. And then there is the typical 
the, the type, the shadow, the testimony of the church, which is his body and its movement by the Spirit of God, and on and on. It's all there. That all comes to be part of John's revelation of Jesus Christ, particularly seen in chapter 4 and 5. Well, chapter 5, actually. And it all centers around the throne. And who finally comes to be sitting upon that throne? And it's the Lamb. It's the Lamb. And, and, and I'm, I, see, I don't want to go that, that route, but, but that's the route we're going in all of this anyway. It just keeps coming back. The Lamb. The Lamb. At least there in Revelation, the Lamb is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And at least there in Revelation, the Lamb is seen not only as he, not only as he was slain, but he is seen at the same time as he is resurrected. And not only that, but seated upon, above, and in the midst of the throne with... <laughs> with all of the eyes, with all of the power, with all of the authority, there he is, and the whole multitude of heaven, including those that are a type and shadow of a new creation in Christ, and part of that new creation in Christ, then find themselves in the midst of that, and they are called the redeemed of the Lord. Oh, honey, there's no telling the multitude that is there. And they're all saying, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. I don't know about you. I, can't, I can say it, but I can't read that without I just lose it all. Because we must understand that. And I was talking to a person the other day trying to get that person to understand the allness of Christ. The allness of Christ, the finished work, not only something he did, but who he is. It's all in him. And if it's not found in him, then it's not of God. Amen. It's not given of God. It has nothing to do with God unless it is found in the Son. And the Son is the absolute finished completeness, perfection of it. Yes, Hallelujah. This lamb gathers everything into him. The seed. The seed. Sweethearts, do we understand something? That God only has one seed. He doesn't have two. Let alone two trillion. He has one. The measure of that one is more than the stars in the heavens. And here's something Peter chew on. The measure of that one seed, the measure of his fullness, of his allness, is more than every piece of sand on the face of the earth. Now, there is no nationality among man that has that kind of measure to it. Do we understand that? It, they could be into the millions and the trillions. Still wouldn't be that much. And though there's great multitudes in heaven, it's not those great multitudes that give heaven its measure it's the fullness of Christ that gives heaven its measure. The fullness that He is. Because that fullness is without measure. And, and we see it pop up in the Scriptures all the time. I mean, right there in the first part of the ministry of Christ, uh, 
at the wedding. At the wedding. And, and we read by that. We, we, we all have done it if we don't still do it, but we've all have done it, you know. We, we, we kind of get, he had these water pots, those, those, those pots were there. But the thing that should hit us is because they were according to a Jewish measurement. So he had them to fill them all up. I'm thinking he may have had them all emptied first. But he come back and he said, fill them up to the brim. Not to this firking and that firking and something. No, 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 no. Fill them up to the brim. And if you look at that, hon, when they did that, and I know that in the natural, because this, this is another type that he was given. It was almost like another parable that he was showing. But he's always pointing to something that is, particularly when it is a testimony of him, is never going to be able, you're never going to be able to put a measure on it by how many people or how many this, or you're never going to be able to do that. Remember what God did to, to David when he wanted to measure Israel that way? He wanted a head count. Now, you get head counts with Moses all the way through, but it, but it was for an altogether different reason. David found his, he found, he was looking for the greatness and the power and, and all of that of his armies. And David had always looked to the Lord for that. But at this time he wasn't doing it. And, and even his captain, the captain of his host, came and said, please don't do this. Don't, don't have me to do it. It will just humilify us. Let's not do this. The prophet told him not to do it. David did it anyway. And you know it came out with drastic results. And it came out with his repentance, but it still had drastic results. Why? Because he sought to measure Israel by number. And people still do that today. I mean, I, you hear them all the time. That's, you know, that's, that's what it's all about, you know. But it never was because Israel was a type of the seed. There's no doubt about it. And Paul brings that right in to his writings and says, unto Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Not seeds as of many, but unto thy, but unto one seed, that seed which is Christ. Now think about that. To whom were the promises of God made? Read them in the prophets. Read them in the Psalms. Read it to Abraham. Read it to Moses. Look at Moses reading it to fleshly Israel. But all of those promises were to the seed of God. And that seed is Christ. Now you just get a hope, just think about it. Unto Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Not seeds as of many. A lot of promises. Many, many, many. But all of them come to be summed up in one seed. In one son. In one high priest. In one king. All of which is summed up. Well, one shepherd. One husband. One head. 
of the church, which is his body. One, one, one. One new man in one new creation. One, one, one. And I've looked through the scriptures at this, and if, and if you've, you know, if you found something other than that, or, or I appreciate you sharing it with me. I'm not challenging anybody. I'm telling you the truth because the Lord keeps. I, I get take. I get drawn back into this about once a year. All of that is summed up in the Lamb. In the Lamb of God. That's the one that's on the throne. All the way through Revelation, right, right to the last chapter. It's the Lamb. The waters of life, the river of life. Flowing out from the throne of the Father and the Son, which is the Lamb. The throne of the Lamb. To the good pleasure of the Father. The obedient Son. See, there's all kind of names and they're all true and they're all speaking of one. The Lord Jesus Christ. But he's talking about Him as being in His city in his heaven, in his body, upon his throne, in charge of everything. For it's all coming out from that throne. It's all governed by that throne. It can only go as far as the throne permits it to go. I'm talking about even in the book of Revelation when we're talking about the great destruction of, nat of national Israel and the natural tabernacle and all of the first order of things in 70 A.D. But it, it was all out from the throne of the Lamb. It was the wrath of the Lamb. I'm just telling you, darling, I, I'm, I'm guilty time and time again of just having to say, Father God, just reveal the Lamb. I mean, our whole story of salvation, really, when it gets right down to the nitty-gritty of it there, and it did that with Moses and with Israel, setting up the first Passover, setting up the first numbering and naming of months. Because they certainly didn't get that out of Egypt. No, that was given of God. And it was all according to the Lamb and the blood of the Lamb. What a reality. Now, hon, that's whose body we are. So I want to show you something about this, but now in Christ. And I don't know how many hundreds of times I probably, and many of you have read that, and, I had, I have, and, I, and I've, I've seen some things there, in, in, in the, the truth and reality and all of that. But I got slapped up against the side of the head again today by the Lamb. And what got me to thinking about that was Daniel's comment this morning, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I got to thinking about it and I thought, my Lord, Starts with the Lamb, has to end with the Lamb. But you see, it, the natural mind would probably not come up with that in Samson 
or not Samson, but Solomon. But then the Lord Jesus came and said, a greater than Solomon is here. Amen. And that's the Lord Jesus. That's the Lamb. So you look at the greatness of Solomon and all that it was there. Hon, that's the greatness of the Lamb. I mean, you can't get away from it. There's something about the Lamb that the Father would reveal in our soul concerning His Son. Now look at this. Ephesians 2. Because he's talking, you know, he's, he, he, look, verse 10. What am I talking about? The reality of our being in Christ. Of our being in Christ. That is not a geographical location somewhere. It is a God-given, spirit-wrought state of being for a new creation where where is it found again <laughs> in Christ Jesus <laughs> it's true hon it's, it's true and it's a you know we, somebody will say well I think it was 230 times that the term in Christ or, or in him or in whom uh, is referred to in the New Testament mostly by Paul and that's an impressive number. But then you finally begin to look at it and you realize it's not, a, you know, it's not like being in this building. This is talking about a divine union that the Lord Jesus talks about in John 14. That I, will, I will come in newness. Where are you going? I'm going to the cross. I'm going into my death, my burial, my resurrection. I'm going to prepare myself as a place for you to dwell and I'm going to come and I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also and you will know in that glorious day that I am in my father because I have gone unto him and then I have come again and received you into myself and I dwell in you. You will know that I am in, this is John, by the way, uh, uh, this is John 14, verse 20. You will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Now, hon, that's our union with Him. That is a reality. But now in Christ. Now, I've heard too many try to take that out, out of its setting and say, and one day that's going to be so. It's so now if you are in Christ. It's so right now if you are in Christ. Every accepted in the beloved. Our redemption in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It speaks of a union of the very Spirit of the living God. The Spirit of Christ. It's the union of, if you'll permit this, divine marriage. Unto our husband and our head, since we are his house and his body. So that's one view. I don't know how many hundred views you find of this union in the scripture, but they're all the way through it. And this one that Daniel was talking about this morning when he made that statement right there at the Red Sea, that's one of those, that is one of those. That is one of those testimonies of the reality of our salvation right there. Well, Ephesians, verse 10, 
Ephesians 2, verse 10. Now he's talking to the Gentiles here. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Now we all know, but I keep, I, I'm, I have to be continually reminded in myself. Sometimes I just look it up so I can see it as it is actually in the original Greek translation of that. The word in there means, it means a relationship of rest having to do with time, place, and state of being. <laughs> well, the time, the place, and the state of being is in Christ. Amen. So that little word is right. It's talking about a relationship of rest. And we're going to be looking at that, probably not tonight, but we'll get to it, because I want to talk about coming up here, coming up later, our high priest, the greatness of our high priest. Uh, <clears throat> the greatness of our high priest. And, and we'll, we'll be looking at that in Hebrews. Uh, and, and then I, I want to look at that in the light of, Father, I have finished the work. Think about how great this is. You, you guys are not looking for sermons anyway. So just think about how great this is. For We're talking about... We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, throughout, throughout Christianity as a religion, he's, he's somewhere. In, and I'm not making fun of it, but he's somewhere. He's, not, he's out there waiting on us or whatever. I mean, there's a hundred and one different things. But according to Paul... And according to the Spirit of God, who does the revealing of the Son, He's in you, and we're in Him. There is no other kind of salvation. It's, it's, it's this relationship into which our souls have been gathered up. But think of this. Because it's before he initiates all of that. Makes it all manifest by the cross. John 14, 15, 16, 17. All of that is right up against the cross. Just a day, maybe two days before. Or maybe a night before. But it's right there. Think about this. This is the Lord. The person of the Lord. Father, this is the one that was with the Father before the foundation of the world. This is the one who is the Word of God that was in the beginning, was the beginning, the same in the beginning with God. John goes all through that. But He was made flesh, thinking it not something to be held on to, to be equal with God but stepped out of that for a little while and became made for a little while lower than the angels. And that's what it says. The King James says made, made a little lower than the angels. The, the verse should read made for a little while lower than angels. He was made a man. That's what he was made. That he might die for every man and as, as every man. And that's something else I want to talk to you about because it, it hit me like a baseball bat about three days ago. It's like someone just talking to him and says, You are dead. 
And I, you know, I mean, okay, fine, we, we see that. And we, but I mean, it never stops. And I don't mean condemnation of dead and sin. I'm talking about being dead to sin. Amen. Over there in Colossians, where I was quoting to you, you know that. It goes right on down to, and says, Seek ye the things above, not things on earth. Why? For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And then it goes on to say, And when he who is our life, the one in whom you dwell, when he appears, or according to the words there, when he is revealed, you are also revealed as being in Him in glory. So when do you come to understand in reality of spirit, not just in reading and saying, well, I believe it, it's written enough, I need to believe it, I'm in Christ. You really comprehend, because see, that's not a theological position that you can just memorize. That's a reality of union that you have to see in your heart. And you have to see it by, the, by knowing one. How do, how, do you, how do you have a reality of union? Any of you that, are, that have a husband here, wives that have a husband, husbands that have a wife. You don't, you know, you don't go reading your certificate again. You, you do it by seeing the one with whom you have that union. Marriage becomes to you a person. Amen. Whether you're husband or wife, it works both ways. Well, far beyond that reality, it is so with Christ. When He who is our life shall appear, then, then you understand your union with Him. Then you understand what He said He would do. You understand, Lord, I am where you are. I am I'm in you because you're in me. And, it, and you've read it, you've read it, and you've read it, and finally then you see Him, the person of it. And, and like in marriage, you don't throw away your marriage contract. You might want to reread it every now and then. When I, when the, when, when the Father was so gracious to reveal His Son in me, oh honey, the first thing to come in my mind was not to throw away my Bible. It was the overwhelming necessity of getting into it, of searching to see the reality of the One. that I saw was truly living in me. My Bible became, I, I'd search there for sermons, oh, no more. Just for Him. To know Him. And that's what the Lord says. They are they which testify of me. They are they which testify of me. Not which at one time did, still do. Testify of me. That's why you don't like, and I say these kind of things, hon, because other people hear us who speak here than the ones that are sitting here uh, we're heard a lot of places. And I happen to know that there are movements that jump up, you know, uh, that say everything they get, they get from God, and they get rid of their Bibles. Well, I won't make a comment on that except to say that is really, really an ignorant thing to do. Here is the 
testimony of the one who is actually the living witness. And the living witness answers to the testimony perfectly. Okay, I'm going to finish what I was reading because I want to show you something. It's the Lamb. We've read this. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You go right back here to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 and read the first chapter. It, it's saying the same thing. Why wouldn't it? It's the same letter. Talking about from before the foundation of the world. God having, according to His good pleasure, determined His purpose. Well, all right. But now we're created. His workmanship. And this is not a natural creation, but a new creation of God in Christ. Workmanship created in Christ. And then he starts talking to the Gentiles. Therefore, he's talk, they're Christians, but he's, he's, he's saying, think about this. He's saying, verse 11, Wherefore remember that you, being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. This is Ephesians 2, verse 10. That at that time you were without Christ, being alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, uh, didn't know anything about the Scriptures, didn't know anything about the promises, you're just a bunch of heathens and you had no hope and you were without God in the world. They, they weren't even like the Jews. They were just idol-worshiping heathen. But now in Christ. Verse 13. That's his answer to them. And you, you think about that. How many times have you been told that? Or have you heard that when you've been listening to Christianity as a, as a religion. Now you might have been told, you know, your sins are paid for and one day when you die you will be going to heaven or when the, or when, yeah, you, you may have been, you may have heard that. But he is talking to bloodletting, demonizing, demon worshiping Gentiles who offer human sacrifices. Some of that's in all of this. You'll do a little Bible, do some history studying about those Gentiles and where they were. They, they were, they were ugly people. So, he, he, he says all that, and then he says, and here's the answer. And he could say a lot along the lines that, that you have heard Christianity say, you know, come down to the front and do this and do that. But he didn't. He didn't. He speaks of the salvation of the Lord. He speaks of a union of which Christ is the very living person of. He speaks verse 13 without God in this world the last part of verse 12 but now in Christ Jesus. But then here's what hit me. Uh, I think it was either yesterday or today yesterday recently 
who were sometimes far off, made nigh by the blood of Christ. And there's the Lamb. For He is our peace, who hath made both one, Jew and Gentile, hath broken down the middle wall of partition, got rid of all this stuff that you didn't know or Gentiles anything about anyway, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, of a Jew and a Gentile, one new man, so making peace. So making peace with God. So making peace. But what's that all about? How did he do that? Make in himself, make of twain, make of a Jew and a Gentile, one new man. How did he do that? That he might reconcile both Jew and Gentile unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity. He gathered them into the body of his death. They were dead in sin anyway. One was circumcised, not circumcised. The other was circumcision in the flesh. Neither one of them was any good. Neither one of them was accepted of God now in view of Christ. In view of the cross. But I'd always looked at that and, I, and, you know, and it just hadn't said lamb to me. But the other day I was looking at it again. Because we say, you know, by the blood of Jesus and then we'll take that right into just this one little area, one little thing. Forgiveness of sins. We've got all of our sins forgiven. Hon, you've got a whole lot more than that. He took you. He took me into His death and put me to death. I mean, hon, He really died. And he really died as me, and as every man, and as you. He really did. And when he died, all died with him. And that wasn't some kind of a make-believe thing. But much more being reconciled unto God. How? Dead. How did God reconcile his enemies unto himself? They died. I mean, he didn't bring another flood on them. He didn't do that. No, he did it himself in the person of his son in the cross. He did it as the lamb in Christ Jesus. He died. He died. And he brought us into a death we could have never died. That we may have a life we could have never had. A death I couldn't die, a life I can't live. Because it's Christ living in you. This little thing hit me the other day out here in a dust storm going up and down our road. Thank the Lord for the showers. And it really got a hold of me. And I had to stop where I've got the note somewhere. But it just, it was like, it was like the Spirit of the Lord just telling me all over again, Son, you're really dead. My God, Christ is really the one 
who's living in your soul, who is the life of your You are really dead. And then, and then you just hear him say, you just hear him say, and I'm really alive. And I'm really in you. My Lord. So I went back through the scripture. I won't do that to you tonight. I know it's time to quit. One where the Lord Jesus just says, though, uh, we have passed from death unto life. See, we get ourselves in there because that's what the Lord was showing me. There's nothing of you here. Quit. Because see, even our minds, when we know these things, it's there in our natural carnal mind. Whatever part of it is left, it's there. I've got evidently plenty of it left. I don't, I'm going to brag about that. I'm just telling you. And it's just... Paul says it, but we read that and we read this, you know, and after a while we're, you know, not I, but Christ who liveth in me. And it doesn't dawn on us. It doesn't dawn in our soul what this not I is all about. Because we've got it in us that there's got to be some way I'm here. So is passed from death and the life. So how is that preached? You were once dead, and now you've come to life, and He's given you life, and here it goes. No. You know what I had to do? I really did. I had to do it. I did it in this, did it in this Bible thing right here. I had to look that up, and right up there, me and Christ. You have passed from me to Him. And that's what I wrote in my Bible. Amen. You have passed from death, which is you, <coughs> unto Him who is life itself. And I went through and found a bunch of places like that. That we read, or Christians read, but, it's, but they're the object, they're looking at themselves when they read that. We're the object of that little reading. And so it's, you know, now I've been told this by preachers, honey. I've been told this by people that we have dealt with over all of these years in this very fellowship and in Bible conferences that we have had, not only here in the United States, but in other countries. I, it's not the first time that I was told that. That there had to be something of us in there because our sins were forgiven and now we had a new life and all of that, but it's always we, we, we. And the Father brings it, it, you're accepted in the Beloved. That means He sees the Beloved. And he, and he knows. See, He understands you're in Christ and Christ is in you because it's the Father that has given unto Him those that He has. Father, all of Thine are mine, and all of mine are thine. No man cometh to him except drawn by the Spirit of God, and no man cometh to the Father but by that very Son himself. So, it was just a refreshing thing. Salvation's really him. And by the great grace, in fact, the measure of the great grace of God is Christ living in us. He's the measure of our grace. How great is the grace? You don't go back and label it by measuring how deep the hole that you were in, how deep your sin was. You don't measure grace by digging the depth of the hole. Grace is measured by the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the measure of God's grace because He's the substance of God's grace. And He lives in us and we dwell in Him. Time's out. Time's gone. We'll continue.
on this salvation is real. It's real because it's a living, the living person living in his body. What a wonderful thing. That's why we're gathered here. Those of us that are here, you know that. You wouldn't come from where you came from, and the folks that are here wouldn't have come from wherever it was that they come from to hear somebody preach a sermon. But we're here in the knowledge of the Lord. And we're growing in that knowledge. And we have need to grow in that knowledge. But that's what draws together. Unto Him is the gathering of the people. Shiloh, the Lord who is come. Folks, thank you for being with us on the internet. If there's any way we can help you, please let us know. We appreciate you. We'll be on again in the morning in this Bible conference at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, is, it, is, it, is it Jim? Brother Jimmy Collins will be, thank you. We'll have the class in the morning. And, uh, and then uh, that's Wednesday, Thursday morning. Uh, Brother Bird, Brother Rabin Bird will have the morning class. And uh, then Friday, I think Jimmy's back with a morning class at 10 o'clock. And I'm telling you that so you can be with us at those times. We'll have the evening session at starting at 7.30 again. And we're going to continue to look at the reality of being in Christ. And we'll see where, you know, we'll see what the Lord would have emphasized in that as it turned out in this session the emphasis on my heart was the lamb the lamb my <laughs> god the lamb of god sweet lamb of god <laughs> i mean there's, there's nothing like it there's nothing like it nothing nothing like it you want to sing it You want to hurry and come up here and get on the piano and we'll sing it and, and we may lose the internet. That, that's all right, guys. We don't have to go over on that. But for us sitting right here, let's sing it. Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God. We rewrote the words to this while we were in Dallas, or, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, a bunch of years ago. And in fact, we were swimming in a swimming pool that belonged to Wayne and Betty Ballard. And uh, Lamb of God. Page 25 in your songbook there. It's to the same melody, but the words are a little different. But it's concerning the Lamb of God. Your only son, no sin to hide, but you have saved him from your side. Just blood.
such power on the cross why he could not be holding why death could you know why because the Lamb of God pure sinless obedient not because he got in a fight with somebody but because of who he is. The adversary cometh, but he finds no place in me. <laughs> he wouldn't. The Lamb of God. I mean, as best as they could, Israel had to get one like that. It was an animal, but God had one just exactly like that. And he's the one that lives in you and in me. We're, we're, we're ready to go here, honey. I'm not going to go again. I'm just talking to you. We're dismissed. Lord bless. Folks, we'll be seeing you tomorrow. May the Lord bless you.